2: And no different gonna make any better If you want
3: to make a difference look at but yourself and make that change
2: and make that change <laughs> See I can't match and your I, like I can't
3: match your energy and passion but I love it <laughs>
4: Dave Football Program, available on iTunes and at davedamoshek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damoshek.
2: Hi and hello, football fans. Welcome to the Dave Damoshek Football Program. It is time now, right smack dab in the middle of summertime. We're going to do at least a couple of things coming up on uh, today's DDFP One, we're going to continue our review of the tremendous second season available on Amazon video. Make sure you check it out, All or Nothing NFL Films. We've been buzzing about this, me and my man Brian Baumgartner over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we will continue to do so. Brian also, though, is going to be in Tahoe in a matter of hours, as a matter of fact, as we preview the Lake Tahoe golf business and first let's say hello to Brian. Hello Brian, how are you? Hi Dave, how are you? What doing? a pleasure to see you. I'm oh. not as good as you. Oh. You're oh. about to be glad handing with all the uh, sports glitterati and this is also the last chance that most people get to kibitz with the high-end NFL quarterbacks, they show up. Who all is there usually? It's Rodgers.
4: Rodgers. Uh, Alex Smith. Alex
2: Smith is a, is a perennial. Jerry Rice is always out.
4: Jerry Rice. Uh, you said quarterbacks, though, right? Yeah, well, I'm I feel like it. Yeah, yeah. Carson Palmer.
2: Oh, Palmer's uh, out
4: there. Palmer's out there. Fitzpatrick was there last year. Who um, Who else? I guess – well, and then there's like, you know, Chaz Marino Bar- and Elway. And yep, Chaz
2: and Barkley is, uh, is always there. We talked with him a few years ago. Matter of fact, we should Uncle play that Charles. back Bartlett behind the glass. That's a, that's always a funny interview. He's like, you Jewish? What's he, 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 <laughs> you Bar- Jewish? Bar- yeah. What the hell is a matzo ball? That was what Chaz Barkley <laughs> um, And me. Uh, and, yeah, I talked to Steph Curry before he got his first ring, so on and so forth. But I have to tell you, Brian – Before And we're going to talk some all or nothing here and, uh, you know, the the great, not great Ram season, but the great documentary about the bemusing Ram season of 2016. 2016. Fascinating stuff. But um, I must say here and now, and I'm not sheepish about it and how you take this, you know, take as you will. I fell very much in love. In Tahoe when I was there four years or so ago. Yes. He at the time wore the number fifty for the Green Bay Packers, but he was number one in my heart. After we sang a song that you just heard at the top of the show, and now he's on the phone with us, Brian. It's your pal and mine, AJ Hawk. What's the poop, fella? What's happening, guys? It's uh, it's fun listening to you
3: guys. You know, chop it up back and forth. You guys. I'm honored to be on the show today,
2: so thanks for having me on again. Well, Muzzletub, first and foremost, you now have your fourth child, Hawk. You just had number four. I did, yes.
3: Uh, we're pumping them out left and right here in Columbus, Ohio. I just have a five-week-old now, so we were very busy, very fertile, and, and having a lot of fun, so I, I love it. I know you have four. I know Brian's about to have two, so we're all, we're all just some, some proud American men just pumping kids out. Oh, God.
4: Oh, oh, what kind of show is this? It kind of turns right me on. on. <laughs> God, it turns me on a
2: little <laughs> Brian's bit. <laughs> Brian's <laughs> a ham and ager compared to you and me, Hawk. Four. I mean, I yeah, really. I I, really? I warn women. Don't even, you might not even want to like, like, hey, can you give me a ride? No, you might not. Who knows what happens? You know, who knows at this point? Before we jump into everything, as a matter of fact, this is a question I've been asking a lot of people who paid us a visit here in 66 over the last few months. So now I'll ask you both. Let's rate things. The tiers of what's important to people in the 21st century. Are you ready? I'm going to give you four items. Okay. You tell me. We, the one that you put in first position, you can have whenever you want for the rest of your life. Second position, once every three weeks. Third position, once every three months. Fourth position, never again. You guys ready? Here we go. TV, sex, pizza, booze.
4: Sex.
0: Oh, you, Bible. Brian.
2: Oh,
4: it's me. TV, sex, pizza, booze. TV, sex. Pizza booze.
2: And you could if like I think if you raise the stakes a little bit if you change pizza to just all Italian food. That makes it even harder oh, to cut. Oh man. It all, no more meatballs, you understand. I still, no more veal parmesan. I still think for me
4: it's T V sex Pizza
2: Booze. That's how it goes. No booze think, ever again for you. I
4: mean I mean if you're saying all Italian I mean the booze and the pizza, those two things, I could interchange those. Yeah, I mean, you know, sex, yeah, yeah I don't need it every day. It's a, well,
2: like, right. yeah, yeah, like, like a, whatever. Right, exactly. Especially if you're in the shoes of me or Hawk. It's like it's enough already, you know? Yes. Hawk, how say you?
3: <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm going to have to go sex TV, booze, pizza. Sex
2: TV, booze, pizza. Okay, so goodbye to pizza. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that I would be booze pizza too. Hawk, I, I think I, if I'm honest, Hawk's younger than I am, but get it under control, man. Sex, you need. I mean, at the, you know, TV's there for you through thick and thin. He's there every while you're sitting there holding the bottle for for baby or like waiting for baby to wake up from a nap. What are you gonna do? What's a sex? No, you're gonna be watching TV. That's what you need.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, you're right, but I don't know, man. I gotta. Yeah, it's a weird deal. I, I was gonna. Go off into a little tangent, but I'm going to keep it PG and just say that I like to. I want to. I want to keep my wife around. I'm trying to get. I, I've told you before, Damashek. I'm trying to get better looking with age. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better at everything. And, therefore, that is why my number one answer is what it is.
2: You have the heart of a champion, Hawk. No one would ever uh, deny that. Hey, let me say this, Hawk. Uh, also, muzzle-tub and uh, looking forward to hearing you on FS1 this uh, coming college football season. You're going to be calling the Baylor opener with uh, Petros Papadakis, who joins uh, – uh, his pal Matt Money-Smith joins us all the time here in Studio 66. I I, I just think that is – an ideal fit for A.J. Hawk, a college football legend, calling college football. I think this is a dream, not just for you, Hawk, but for football fans.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love it. I actually got to call the Stanford-Oregon State game last year on FS1 with Petros, and that guy is an absolute character and just a, just a pure gentleman. I, I loved every minute of it, so I'm excited to be working with him on a few games this year to, to start the season.
4: All right. He's he's hilarious, and also his voice is really, really easy to listen to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I – that's what (laughs) – He and I are charged sometimes. I mean, he's a former college football player and, uh, you know, a smarter guy than I. But he, I, I've noticed that people in the industry will con, will compare us sometimes. I think purely because we both have swarthy looks and uh, and annoying voices. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I don't How did, say, who let these two
4: in? I would not say annoying. I would say distinct. Ah, thank yeah. you, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> but more him. <laughs> Anyway, I want to say congratulations to you, A.J., on your retirement. Yes. Uh, and retiring as a Packers, I understand that was that was a great little uh, get-together you had back in Green Bay uh, a couple months ago, and I just want to congratulate you on that.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, trust me, I'm super lucky and very grateful to be drafted by the Packers and spend nine great years with them before – Jump into Cincy for a little while, and I, uh, man, what an amazing time! I'm still in contact with a lot of those guys, and Brian. I know you're tight with a lot of the guys in Green Bay as well. So you know, it's a it's a special, special place. It it
4: really is, and I want to tell I want to tell a, a, a very uh, a very special story about you and your family. I don't know, Dave, if you know this or, or any of the listeners out there know this. AJ's dad went to every single NFL game, except for one when your mom was sick, right? Your mom had the flu or something, and he went. Yes, and they bought a house uh, right there by Lambeau Field right after he was drafted. And what a lot of you may not know is there is a there is a hawk pregame ritual before Packers games, uh, which involves shots of alcohol with his dad and a very special toast. And, and it occurred to me that you uh, that you never had been there, right? Because you were always playing the game. You had never actually been in the the
2: garage, the somewhat heated. It's a garage. It's, it's a funny thing that I've talked with players about. I say, "What's that?" Tailgating's the best part of football games, and and then I realize I'm talking to football. Players. Oh yeah, you've never been to a tailgate. You're always about uh, to go into the game anyway. So uh, so
4: uh, AJ's dad in in the garage in Wisconsin. Taught me their uh, their their pregame toast, which I now give uh, to and share with other other fans, and I will share with you. They take a shot of alcohol and they raise it before the game, and his dad says, "Stay healthy, play great, just win the game." <laughs> <laughs> and. Doing that with your dad and your brother, who uh, AJ's brother, is just a fantastic guy as well, and is always uh, in Tahoe as well, Uh, was a very, very special, special thing. You have a very special family, so I just uh, I wanted people to know that. And the fact that your dad went to every single home and away game and bought a house so that he could go to all those home games in Green Bay is just uh, is just really cool.
3: Oh yeah, and the funny thing is, Brian. Like I was aware that they did victory, like their pre-game victory shots, but they would. I would just see the videos, and I remember seeing pictures and videos when you got to join him for that. And the funny thing is, like when, I know when you were there, Brian. I mean, obviously my dad's a big fan of you. He got all he gets all juiced up, and sometimes he had a little more energy. And if if you recall, I, I think when you were there, he gets all pumped up, and he would spike his shot glass into the ground. And <laughs> yeah. he a softball too. Yes, so that's like, right. He spikes it really hard and we always would make fun of him for it, how unathletic he would look spiking the shot. shotgun.
2: <laughs> yes, you know the Shay, right. I have uh I have Hawk has been on this show. Hawk has his own the Hawk cast, of course. Yes. It's a great show with some real high end stars. You should check out the Hawk cast at your In- leisure. Including me. Oh, you've been there as I well? I have been, yeah. Who did you, who was a better guest, Hawk? Well, you know, Davisek, I think you hold the title for the longest. Running episode of the podcast. <laughs> I thought you were going to say most downloaded, and I was going to be proud. Yeah,
3: you know, th- th- I don't mess with the details, but it was definitely a good one.
2: <laughs> well, either way, so, and I've been on—I've been on your brother's podcast as well, and uh, but the holy grail for me in the Hawk family is the old man. The Hawk always says, "Oh yeah, we got to get the old man on the show," but I—I—I I, I, I wait for that day, and I think we should connect. Your dad with my uh, with my parents, because even I mean, at least at least your dad got to go to Packers games and get to hang around a great scene. My parents, when I was on overnight radio, what from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. would stay awake the entire night to listen to every second that I was on the air. That's
4: so great. Oh, it's very nice, but it's but
2: it's crazy too.
4: Well, my parents are probably listening right now. My mom is going, "What's what's a football? What's a <laughs> – Who's a, who's it? A, whatever." Now,
2: Hawk, the spiking of the shot glass is one thing. Now, somebody might catch a little uh, a little piece of glass or something like that, but it's probably safe. As opposed to your perennial ritual, are you going to continue tackling a fan in Tahoe this year? That's
3: a great question. I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth with the guys at NBC throughout the year, and it's like everywhere I go, honestly, if I play golf anywhere, there's always like one or two guys that come up to me and ask me to tackle them all because of (laughs) Tahoe. the stupidest
2: thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and
3: like how it all came about. Now it's it's like one of those things where the first year it happened, it was totally organic, and it just kind of came out of nowhere, and it happened. It worked out beautifully. And then every year it gets – it's hard to top that, so we kind of get watered down. At the same time, I'm worried that the kid's going to die with his head smacking off the ground. I know. So we're trying to find a way to, like, make it safe but still be something that, that has an impact. So we're still brainstorming, but we're going to do something out there.
4: I, I came across – I don't remember. if it, Maybe it was on social media, American Century or NBC, like, tweeting it out. I came across it a few weeks ago. As I start searching for the American Century Golf Tournament, as I start getting more and more excited about being there, and I saw that original hit, and it is just, if if you have not seen it, you have to, and you're listening right now, you have to go, A.J. Hawk, American he just crushes this inebriated fool by the seventh <laughs> tee box, and it was just unbelievable.
2: I, I I, it's it really is crazy. A professional. Uh, well, you know what? Let me ask you this and then we will talk some uh, some all or nothing here. I promise, fellas. But here's something I contend, Hawk. And I'm I'm half kidding. But the more I think about it, the more I kind of talk myself into into actually maybe being able to do this. I've said and all the guys laugh at me. Ike Taylor, Maurice Jones, Drew scoff in my face about how I would how I, I wouldn't survive. If you put me behind the on the Dallas Cowboys under center behind that offensive line and Zeke Elliott behind me and Des Bryant to catch my passes, could I, if you gave me the ball, starting at the twenty-five yard line, could I lead that team on a on a, on a drive for points against whatever the worst defense in the league is? Uh,
3: if you started on. The 25 going in, you could not lead that team to even a field goal. You would you would run the ball out of field goal range, I think. And they have the best offensive line in the NFL. So no damage. Why? What are, would happen to what? What's going to happen? You would fumble. You wouldn't even get be able to get the court like the exchange. You would fumble the handoff.
2: You don't know that. Are you that. kidding me? I would I would I work don't. on it. I would practice for a couple hours before taking the snap. And then most of the plays I would call would be handoffs to Zeke. But then. As we're moving the ball, matriculating it down the field. Then once I would say, Dez, this is the one. This is the one. Then play action. Then the defense is sucked in. Damashek goes upstairs to Dez. He goes and gets it. Field goal at worst.
3: Oh, okay, my bad. I thought you were playing running
2: back. No, 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 no. No, I wouldn't be able to take those licks. I'm not built for that. No. I'm, I'm 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 from the banks of the three rivers. I was gifted the rifle for a uh, for an arm. I don't have what it takes to be a runner. Come on.
4: He just well, uh, yeah. awkwardly massaged his arm. By the way, <laughs> I just want that pointed out. <laughs>
3: Well, Damashek, if you found a way to get the ball in the quarterback center exchange, which I I question whether that would be able to happen with live bullets coming at you, and you took three <laughs> knees in a row, then, yeah, then maybe we could bring the kicker on and get an easy three.
2: I think this – you know what I think this is, Brian? I think NFL players, you know, they're protective of like, yes, pro football is not for everybody. So they'd <laughs> shame the devil if you ever put me in there and I would, I would disprove all of that and we'd be like, it's not that hard, guys, right? Yeah. Yeah,
3: it's like it would be. It's basically the same thing as if Conor McGregor goes and knocks out Floyd Mayweather. That's like you, you scoring a touchdown with the Dallas Cowboys. All
2: right, I didn't say anything about a touchdown, but if we did get down to the goal line, that's when Damashek breaks out the naked bootleg, and that's when I dance into the end zone. He would be killed, right?
3: <laughs> oh, with the with the boomer of size in place. Oh, okay. that's okay. it. I would love to watch that.
2: I would. I'd be happy to show it to you anytime you want to see, Hawk. Anyhow, all right. Now let's talk about all or nothing, and really, I think Brian and I were talking just before uh, we got you on the phone here, and I think the thing to do is to sort of compare and contrast what the 2016 Rams were versus your experiences in the NFL, and, you know, you obviously spent the vast majority of it in one of the uh, teams that you would call one of the have teams of the league, stable, generally winning. Did you ever have even a losing season in Green Bay?
3: 2008. Uh, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my third my third year we were 6-10. and 10. Yeah. And and
4: that was that was Rogers first year, right?
3: Yeah, and it wasn't on him. He played well. No, we that's right. Very poor. He right. played bad on defense, man. We couldn't
4: stop anybody.
3: So how so
4: how did that how did that go? Like was there was there conflict internally on the team between the offense and the defense? Did did the defense feel badly um you know what how how did that go? Or was it was everybody just cool?
3: Well, I mean, that's just, that's why Green Bay is a special place, honestly. I mean, most places, yeah, you can definitely get a rift between offense and defense if one is much better than the other. But in Green Bay, like, we knew, I think as a defense, we felt bad. We felt like we were letting the whole team down when we couldn't stop anybody. When we had Aaron in his first year starting, we knew how good he was from watching him in practice for a couple years and seeing how, how well he was playing on the field. We were letting him down and, and letting the whole team down. So, no question, uh, there was no rift. We, it was more honestly like us – Sometimes apologize and say, "Hey, we're going to get a stop and try to get some turnovers for you, and, and try to figure this thing out because it wasn't on them; it was definitely us as a defense."
4: Right, and so so last, you know, there's this there's the, this unbelievable NFL Films series, All or Nothing, which looked last uh, looked you know it just came out and, and looks at the 2016 Rams and, and everything that went down with them, and you know one of the things that happens in that show is they they start out th- or you see in the show. Didn't happen in the show that they start out the season three and one, right? But even when they were three and one at the beginning of the year, their offense was still the lowest scoring offense in the league. So they they clearly were were having trouble and relying so much on the defense as well. Does that do you think that that starts to grate on you? Uh, you know, as a defense having to constantly you know make that last second stop at the end of the game or whatever, or you know how how is that experience?
3: Oh, yeah, it definitely does. and I, I'm lucky that I've always played with, with some great quarterbacks and, and great offenses, but it definitely that – it'll wear on you. I mean, there's only so long you can hold up as a defense, like where you're literally winning the game for the team, and you have to make, like you say, a last-second stop or you got to get crazy uh, three or four turnovers a game just to win a game 10 to 6 or something. Like those, those definitely wear on you, and I think you know you're just kind of buying time – before uh, the wheels fall off, and that's kind of how, as the season, as the weeks go, and yeah, like oh well, we're three and one, but we literally can't play any better, and we're making crazy plays on defense. I think it definitely, even if it's, it's not on the top of their mind. Like they know subconsciously, like hey, I, there's no way we can keep this up for 16 games where we're getting four four turnovers and, and holding the team to 40 yards rushing. Like, that's not going to happen every week. So you know it's the offense has to find a way to, to step up and put some points on the board, especially how the NFL is now. I mean, you have to score if you if you want to win. You have to you need a franchise quarterback as well.
2: What about uh, I? What was striking to me? I think it's episode three. I'm not positive. Kenny Britt, Britt drops or fumbles a, a ball away, and he comes to the sideline, and the assistant is like, "Ah, listen, you're not going to do that again. We need your head in the game." and but he's despondent like you know he's on the verge of tears right. almost what's better hawk what do you want do you want a teammate because both sides of it get beaten up by the media and the fans what 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 actually is the more pervasive reaction what's the preferred reaction the guy who is just ruined by stuff like obj punching walls and and yelling and screaming and all that kind of stuff or the guy who's like jay cutler who's like oh well what, I mean what 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 is more off-putting or more embraceable among uh in the locker room?
3: Well, I guess that I mean it, always if a guy looks like he doesn't care, that's that's what always looks the worst and has bad body language like oh whatever, oh, I'll figure it out, like I'm not really worried. That'll bother people the most, I think. But also when you go the extreme other way and you're storming up and down the sidelines, throwing your helmet, making like a big public spectacle, that for myself at least is equally as bad like Come on, man. Like, I understand you're upset. We've all made mistakes. I used to run the ball back in the day. If I fumbled, I wanted to kill myself. But I wasn't going out there and, and banging my head on the locker and making sure every single person in the stadium saw me. But I may be sitting there and almost crying because I'm so mad at myself and just want another shot to get back on the field. So whatever it is, if you're authentic, whatever, yeah, do it. But they're putting it on for the crowd. You'll see, like, a, a good, like, old-school, respected coach grab and be like, hey, man, shut up. It's not real. Just get back on the field and stop being a baby and then like, right. it'll, it'll shut the guy up it'll shut him up real quick right but are but
4: aren't you really you know without mentioning names that Dave just mentioned aren't you really talking about authenticity right and 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 believability isn't that it, I mean I, I think that's kind of what you're saying right like if you if you truly believe that this guy is having uh, you know a, a, a response that's real and true to who he is as opposed to just showing for the cameras or whatever else, right? Like, that's the part 100%, man. Right.
3: Yeah, be authentic. Be who – whatever you are, be that. And and I think guys know that and you'll respect it. And the thing, too, I don't know how the whole series, this Amazon series worked out, how many players were mic'd up each game or whatever. What, what's amazing, too, is how – They must be a big sponsor of, of the, the Dave Damaschek football program. This is all we're talking about, this Amazon series. I love it. I know you're a, a homer to the series, it sounds like. But even,
2: even, <laughs> I'm getting spread clean cut- on the homer stuff, but all right. Hey, you can you can cut that out. Don't worry. But
3: the thing <laughs> is, I, uh, if you're mic'd up as well, I'm just, and Damishek, you're a smart, man. You too, Brian. Like, you know, when guys get mic up, you know what's uh, I read in a book a long time ago that a guy wrote, you know, even if you didn't watch them strap their shoulder pads, the pre-game, with they're super talkative, way over the top, super animated, because they want that film to look good, and they want some of them to get picked up on NFL films, and they want people like Damashek
2: sitting on their couch, like, "Wow, this guy's so intense! What an amazing character he
3: is!" <laughs> that's,
2: that's, that's how I do it, dude. This guy's intense, bro. Yeah. hey, with him. Speaking of speaking of overly intense, as a matter of fact, that <laughs> the something that is everywhere watching the series is. That I mean, Greg Williams is is number one, but I mean everybody's a potty mouth. Was McCarthy like that?
3: <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, he could he can be if he needs to for effect, but he never just was was crazy like that cussing all the time. Only if he needed to. I mean, you know McCarthy, Damashek, you and he, you and, and McCarthy are. Uh, like you're basically twins, like that that Pittsburgh tough guy mentality, yes. to where you're not going to take any guff from anybody. And you, we know who the boss is. Like the second McCarthy walks in the room, you know who runs the show and who drives that ship. And that's exactly how you are. So, yes. McCarthy, if he if he needed to, <laughs> yes, but not really, not really crazy. But also, Greg Williams is that guy's not fake. That's authentic. Whatever you see out there, that is Greg Williams. Is that good? Yeah, it's great. You, if that's who you are, be who you are. That's like, like we said before. Yeah. Like, Craig Williams is not putting on for the cameras. I
4: promise you that. I believe that. I be- I believe that. He he. You know, I mean, there is eight hours of footage of this thing, AJ. He and obviously it's not centered on him. Spoiler alert. He, but he says the f bomb. Approximately ninety thousand times in the in, in he the, never goes
2: hours. more than three words without dropping the f in there. Never. I mean, some
3: of those you gotta love. Some of those like I, he's not old, but I look at him like an old school coach that that you don't you don't mess around when you're around Greg Williams. So I respect <laughs> him, man. That's who he is. He's probably I don't know anything about his family. I would I would guess there's some coaches in his bloodline and he grew up around it and that's just who he is. So yeah, you gotta love it. And now. He's in Cleveland, so they're going to be competing with Damashek Steelers now, and Damashek's probably going to be sitting there crying and, and wishing Greg Williams never went to Cleveland.
2: <laughs> I, I live in – if you know one thing about me, it's I live in fear of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the Brown. Cleveland Browns. That's for <laughs> sure. Who had the pottiest mouth of all, McCarthy, Marvin Lewis, or Jim Trestle?
3: <laughs> uh, wow, that's a good one. Definitely not Tressel. Trestle. Not Marvin, really, at all. Uh, I mean, I guess McCarthy, but not really. None of them, man. I have never had any head coaches, really, that were just crazy like that. And, and like you said, saying that 90,000 times in eight hours, that's not a – I haven't played for many guys. I've had position coaches over the years at different levels that, yeah, that's, that's who they are, and you kind of end up tuning it out, and it's like you don't even hear it after the first day.
2: Well, I'm fascinated by, you know, and there is clearly a difference between <clears throat> guys who thrive as – uh coordinators or or below, but then they don't make it as a head coach. They don't own the room or whatever as you describe McCarthy and Damashek for for what it's worth a uh, uh, listener. And
4: Baumgartner Bom- yeah. he said.
2: Well, well. I, I mean he threw you in out of you know, just to you know allow you to maintain some dignity, but he was really talking about Mike McCarthy and Dave Damashek.
4: Really? That's what I heard. I feel like you edited something out. <laughs>
2: well, well, either way, okay. I feel like a lot of those, you know, so some guys are better off as head coaches they are in, than they are as position groups and vice versa. It seems to me, you watch Jeff Fisher, and this isn't uh, necessarily a knock on him, but I remember the Herm Edwards uh, hard knocks when he was the Chiefs coach, and he would just walk into different position group rooms, and he would just, like, yell some empty platitudes about, like, come on now, guys. It's not going to happen for you. You got to do it for it or whatever. And like he would turn and walk away, and they'd be like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> but I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that Bill Belichick is doing that. I imagine he's meticulous about like now you are lined up here, and then you go here, like that kind of stuff. What? What are? What was your experience? Head coaches who just talk in overarching platitudes, or guys who get into the nitty gritty of the scheme?
3: I uh, see uh, the guys I played for were more scheme guys getting into it and more like would coach on a – they'd come whenever they saw you uh, mess something up or they felt like you weren't doing things the right way, they're going to pull you aside and they're going to let you know that they're not happy with the way you're doing it and they're going to make sure you get it corrected. But they weren't the guys that walked in like you say. And That's a perfect Herm Edwards you have there, Dan Mashek as well, who – another guy that plays in Tahoe who's an awesome dude. He is. But You just got to know who you're who you're dealing with. And, and Herm has a ton of respect. It's, it's crazy how – Think about a head coach in an NFL team. Every guy on that team comes from different schools, different upbringings like it 's such a diverse group of guys that you have to find a way to get them all playing together there 's so many different ways to approach it and if you could use the first thing is I mean you just have to earn the guy 's respect whatever no matter what way you carry yourself as a coach. If you earn the respect, you can do whatever you want it doesn 't matter if they know they can trust you and as a head coach you 're going to shoot them straight and not. Going to be a guy talking behind their back to to the media or to other coaches, then the players will be fine. They'll deal with however hard you are on them.
2: A couple more things, Hawk, and then we'll let you go. You have a, you have a you know a, a litter of children to tend to, and uh, I don't want to <laughs> hold you up any longer than we need to. Um, what about I, oh celebrity fan? Because I, I know obviously LA, that's the thing that they always will do. Whether it's a Lakers game and Nicholson and right. beyond. Now it seems like the Rams. they're I, I don't think the Rams have exactly sunk their teeth into into the zeitgeist of Angelino uh, fans just yet. And in fact, here comes the chart. Here come the Chargers, and that's going to be interesting. But anyhow, they cut to what was what was the three-way cut. They they go Anthony Kiedis looking like Bill the Butcher. Right. Then they cut LeBron. to Magic Johnson, okay. which makes well, okay those two make sense. Like Kiedis, we know the Chili Peppers are L.A. Magic is obviously the probably the most popular L.A. athlete ever. Then they cut the LeBron. What gives with that? I didn't care for that move. As a side note, and by the way, Hawk, is an Ohioan, that can't sit well with you. But who is the Packers' all-time biggest celebrity fan? Is it, in fact, Brian seated right next to me?
3: Yeah, but I, you put it out there, but 100% is Brian. Brian's been there through thick and thin, and you said it was out a losing season. Brian instantly throws out 2008. He knows. He follows the team, and he's been with us forever. So we'll actually – he'll brave the elements as well, so you have to respect it.
4: God, I love
3: it. Oh, that's anyways. what
2: that's, by the I way, as a it. side note. And that's the other thing. The heat that they play in for half the season in the Coliseum has to throw teams that are accustomed to, to cold climbs. I wonder about that trade. If you're like, it's gotta be way worse to be a Southern team and have to go North and play the Packers in Lambo than it is for the Packers to come down to LA or to Texas and play out there. But either way, we all agree that the reason that the Vikings and the Lions get it wrong is that in the NFC North, it's a home field advantage if you don't have it domed. And by the way, the fans are more engaged because it allows people to feel like they are a part of the battle. If you're sitting up there, it's like you're at a movie. If you're watching with a dome over your head, like with the, play, the action play out in front of you, but when there's when you're out there and it's zero degrees, you feel like you're in it with the players more. No wonder the fans seem to be more engaged than they are in warmer climes, yes or no?
3: Yeah, it's like a, it's like an experience. You get to go there, and you, you feel like you're part of the action, I think, and, and fans have, like, you have something to talk about for years on the road. Like, oh, I remember I was at that game, and... 07, that was minus 60 degrees, and then it's like a fishing story where it keeps getting colder and colder. That's right. As the year passes, right. and you can tell. That's right. You can tell, yeah, you can impress all your friends at your, your frou-frou dinner parties in L.A. with all the weird actors. You can say, oh, man, you, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is nothing. I sat in minus 120 out in Green Bay and watched them beat the Vikings. That's
4: so Baumgartner. That, that <laughs> 49ers playoff game, what was it, three years ago? How cold was it that day? That was like, oh, minus, was that was like minus 20, right? That was cold. Yeah,
3: I, I'm not saying it's not cold. I'm just saying, you know, it's like the fish keeps getting bigger and bigger.
2: Hey, by the way, about that game, are you shocked? Because we have talked about that one before specifically, that particular game that it was – I think it was two years. It would have been two years in a row or maybe – Two out of three playoff games, where Colin Kaepernick, I just remember him running away from the vaunted Packers defense. The one in the stick was even worse. That was like a revelation. Yeah. Watching him, like what? What is? He's just gliding, and and Clay Matthews and company can't catch him. What's going? And then he broke that game. Rodgers took you guys down. You got the lead or tied the game. They give it, you guys give it back to Kaepernick, and I just remember on third downs a couple of times on the decisive drive, him just running away from you guys.
4: No, but you, but wait, I. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up for you on that. You're misremembering slightly because as I remember on that last drive, you all, I mean, obviously players and, and things happen and you can't expect to do it, but Micah Hyde had an interception in his hands on that last drive to seal mm. it. Am I right or wrong on that, AJ? Yeah,
3: he did. Micah's a great dude, but yeah, he had one in his hands. He felt horrible about it.
2: That's but but so given that you know he was such a revelation, are you stunned that just uh, uh, like a handful of years later, Colin Kaepernick isn't in the NFL? Oh right, I
3: see. I mean, of course, like uh, it is it, the, the the one thing. Like I just wish he would come out and speak on it. I feel like he has. Uh, it, it's weird. There's so many different opinions. Like his him taking a stance and all this by taking a knee was it is it keeping him out of the league? I mean of, of course it has a, an impact when a team's thinking about bringing him in, they look at everything, not not just what he does on the field and he hasn't done on the field what he did against us. Like he, he the Packers we put him on the map. He played unbelievable against us for multiple years in a row. So yeah, it's definitely surprising I, and I wonder like would you guys it, like, Damashek, like, do you think the team will bring him in maybe after training camp if they have an
2: injury or something? Yeah, like, what's, I, I, what's I, I think that. I think, I mean, first of all, I've said it all through the offseason. If you're the Jaguars, don't you owe it to the rest of that roster? You just bring in Calais Campbell from a winning situation. Don't you owe it to him and all the other, I mean, really nice defensive pieces like we talk about at the top with the offense being lackluster? Don't you owe it to everybody else and to the fans, by the way, to say, like, all right, we you know we went high with Blake Bortles in this pick, and we've given him a lot of rope. But if you come out of out of I almost called spring training, if you come out of uh, preseason and are like, oh man, this guy just isn't getting it yet, don't you have to go somewhere else? I mean, it would be awful to impose Blake Bortles on an otherwise optimistic situation. But yeah, I think that somebody you know every somebody gets hurt every preseason, and I I, I suspect Kaepernick will land somewhere. But you, Hawk, love. I'm uh, proud to be an American. That's his favorite song, Brian. I'm proud to be an American. Right. So you might are you down on Cap for doing the kneeling thing, or do you understand the real spirit of what's behind it?
3: Uh, like I went through multiple different like opinions, I guess, on or how I felt about it. Once I heard him come out and talk about why he was doing it, I'm like, all right, I, I get it. Like I get that you want to or what you're what you're kneeling for. I mean, I would never take a knee during the anthem. I mean, everyone's. Uh, I mean, the great thing is that he can do that. Like, he's allowed to. That's why America's the best. That's but right. I, but I don't – it's like – I just – I wish he would clarify – would have clarified it maybe earlier why he was doing it, exactly the reasons for it. And then now I just wish he would communicate more of what What his – there's all these stories out there that he's. he wants a starting job and 10 mil a year or whatever. And I, And then you hear, like, hey, that's not the truth. Like, whatever. It is, whatever it is, like – I think he should just come out, and, and he didn't need to do a press conference or anything. Do something. Maybe do a sit-down with, with Dave Damoshek, like she's, mm. like your Barbara Walters, oh. and just explain to us. Take, it through, take us through your thought process, and I think he could win a lot of people over.
2: I like that, except that instead of uh, Barbara Walters making the subject cry, I'll weep for no—I I don't even know why—but I bet I will. I don't know why it'll happen. Hey, so you're—we'll uh, let you go, Hawk. But uh, you're a big music guy. I don't want to say their names in case you're private about it. But you love music—a certain kind of music—so much that you name your kids after your favorite musicians, which is uh, pretty cool. Let's uh, let's play this now, fellas. It's time for. The Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber. All right, here we go. Eliminate one decade of music. You have to eliminate one. 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s. Brian, I start with you. You can never listen to this music again. 90s. 90s. So no Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Pavement, Built to Spill. Why would you put... Well, you have to choose one. I agree. You just told me you had to choose one. All right, I'm just giving. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to make you feel bad for your choice. I didn't say it was wrong, though. I mean, the '80s music. A lot of it is really bad. But come on, you gotta. Like, you could never hear Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. You never hear Thriller. Madonna. REM. REM. Right. right. There'd be a lot of big losses. Early there. U2. Yep. That's right. That would be a loss, right? Sixties, you get rid of Jimi Hendrix, you get rid of the Beatles. You can't do it. You can't do that. I mean, I, you know what? I think that would be the one I would lose. I know, as my, I, I would be terrible. And but you would have no perspective for what came later. I well, no, no, no. I didn't say you. It has to be erased from your memory. Like you would, ne- you would have heard it now. Oh, but you're never hearing. You're never gonna hear Abbey Road again. You're never gonna hear Electric Ladyland again. You can't do that. But Led Zeppelin extended into the '70s, so I think you make it a little bit there. Yeah, The Who made some good records in the '70s. I don't know. Let's uh, let's turn now to and punk. If you get rid of you get rid of the '70s, you're getting rid of. Uh, you you never want to hear the Ramones again. Right. Their seminal first record. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Hawk. How say you?
3: Well, I mean, I was all on board to get to get rid of the 60s, but then when you mentioned Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles, see, I, I don't put them in the 60s. So, like the Beatles, I I, <laughs> well, I look that's damn what, be, well, that's so, where they so are. Like,
2: you don't get the change. Where no, they're,
3: no, they're current still. Like the Beatles are still legit. Like you talk to kids now, and they don't know. They've never heard of the movie Top Gun or anything, but they know who Jimi Hendrix is. They know who the Beatles are. So I don't even put them in the 60s. So 60s, will, I'll cut that.
4: that you've totally totally changed the rules of the game. I I I don't don't even consider them that. I don't don't even really know the rules of the game, but it seems to me the inherent premise is it has to be gone and you can't hear it anymore,
3: right? Well, Brian, that's the great thing. I've Luckily, I've been on this program a few times. I know how damage check works. I can Jedi mind trick my way into whatever answer you want.
2: Once in a while, he does. I now sentence you to have to listen to, uh, for, for that uh, bogus answer, you're now sentenced to listening to George Harrison's I Got My Mind Set On You on repeat for the entire holiday weekend. I got my mind set on you. Oh, stop, I got stop, stop, my stop. mind set stop on you. Stop it. All right, before you go, Hawk, I, I have something for him. Go ahead, go ahead. I
4: have something for him. To, so you, I want you to finish.
2: Okay. But we I can't
4: I can't let this go because this is this is coming up that we have our annual caddy race. Oh, yes, I'm glad you made We, we met have our, a, our annual caddy oh. race just a few days away. And, and and what's really not fair and if you know AJ's brother Ryan, which it
2: sounds like you do, he's like a triathlete right?
4: My, my caddy
2: is... He's like AJ if AJ were more together as a human being. Well, and younger. <laughs> what is he,
4: 29 or something? He's, <laughs> he's two years older than me. That's the crazy thing. Oh, he is? Well, oh, anyway, yeah. my guy is a 45-year-old restaurant owner who, you know, he's not doing triathlons. Clay's, hey. I mean, he's... This, this whole thing is not fit. We've done this caddy race at the American Century the last three years, and, and now it's, it's – it, your brother, we have to find a way to, to handicap him. Hmm. Yeah, I really feel so – I think that's fair.
3: Brian, so you – what? the funny thing is people ask Ryan about that. And they're like, oh, are you going to win this year? And Ryan's like, yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. But he tells me – that's the thing. Damn it, shake, if you watch these races – so you say Brian's caddy Clay, who's an awesome guy, if, if he's 45 years old – first off, he's in great shape – Clay is sneaky fast. Like he's like one he of those guys that's like deceptive, like deceptive four four speed with a golf bag. And all of a sudden, the first year I know Ryan's like, "Oh, geez, Clay really got out to a start." And then Clay is rolling, and they they it was neck and neck the first year. Last year, Clay kind of got tripped up and was was finishing a pitcher of margaritas before he got <laughs> that, to the green.
4: That I think was the was the NBC televised uh, television <laughs> moment of of our of our caddy races. Is they cut? They cut to uh, they cut to uh, Clay, my caddy, who has fallen down in the sand. It's along the beach and the water. He's <laughs> fallen down along the sand. Everybody else is finished, and they cut back. They, as NBC is so good with their golf coverage, they have another camera following just him. They cut back, and he's downing a pitcher of yellow of yellow liquid. And the announcer, I can't remember who it was, says, "I don't think that's water." <laughs> as they cut to commercial. Yeah. Listen,
2: here's what I think. Here's what I propose. Brian, when the Hawks turn their backs, throw a brick into the golf bag. That that evens things out. You well, what, see? What do you, th- what do you think about a hip check?
4: I, okay. Like, I just throw a hip check in.
2: Who's Is there a rule that says you're not allowed there, to do that? There
3: really is no rule. So,
2: there you go. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, you, the thing is,
3: I kind of self-sabotaged my brother a couple years ago, so... They used to do the long drive contest, and I won it a few years, and Corbell is the sponsor, so they gave me, like, this huge Magnum champagne bottle full, and I put it in my golf bag, and it didn't, like, (laughs) Sunday, there's three rounds. The third round, like, midway through the round on Sunday, my brother was getting something out of my bag, and he was like, are you kidding me? And he found, like, that big Magnum bottle, and he lost his mind. Like, we almost done a fish fight out there in the fairway. And I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I assume you, assume you knew it was in there. It was my trophy. Where else am I going to put it? Oh, my God. I not, <laughs> That's the
4: best. I did not realize you were another spray-off, cork-throwing champ. I am as well. I didn't. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, I, we have, I, we're I, like two of the ten total champions are, are right here on the – on the. Really? You right? won the long drive I, as well? I did. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You won the long drive.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've won the, no, I, I didn't won win that. Spray off. I won the spray-off years ago, but the, the I've, I've really off. lacked in the spray-off. Uh, the spray-off killed me the last couple of years. I've been dead last, at What's spray-off? Sp- so,
4: basically, on the Pro-Am day, as you're going from 17 to 18, they have a little, it looks like a javelin court set up with lines and mark demarcations, and you have to shake a bottle of champagne and shoot the cork out and see who goes the furthest. Really? Yes.
2: Well, good for yes, you yes. on that victory, but the long drives—what <laughs> does the one have to hit it to beat out a bunch of pro athletes? How how long do you have to go off the tee to three uh, fifty?
3: They stopped it. I think I was like when I the last one I won was like three forty five, but it hit a tower. It would have gone a lot farther. I got screwed.
2: Three forty five. Well, but it's in Tahoe. But so that I told yeah, those drivers are bogus. Man. No, and I haven't been playing golf for a while. But those drivers are bogus. It's, it's everybody. Right. everybody what, do. what are
3: you? What are you, Jack Nicholas, complaining about the new technology?
2: Yeah, that is, yeah. That well, that's what it is. It's bo- I've hit a couple 30. of times. I've I've played golf in the last decade. I somebody I, I say, yeah, give me your bubble driver. I want to see what happens. You if you miss the ball, it still goes. Uh, it still goes uh, two forty.
4: Well, up there though, it's the it's the altitude. It does make the ball go further. But I told Dave, AJ, do you remember? You almost killed me, like for real. I was on a four hundred yard par four. And I'm, I am happen to be playing in front of A.J. This is, I don't know, five, six years ago? And I'm chipping, and suddenly I hear, foom And your drive almost killed me on the green. Do you remember that? Yeah.
3: I re- I, oh, of course I remember that, because we were standing at the tee box, and you have to usually wait to let him clear the green. And I, I remember Brian was in front of me, and I was like, I was, start to tee up. And the guy, like the marshals there, who are the best, he's like, oh, no, 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 you can't go on the green. I was like, no, nah, don't worry, it's good, I know him. Well, all right. <laughs> And I was like, i, I love you. <laughs> I, like, I told him, I was like, if I do hit him, it'll be the greatest drive of my life. And I was like, I, it came off the, the honestly, my club face and my brother was like, uh Oh, he instantly was worried. He's like, Oh no, <laughs> it literally happened to be going right by Brian. And honestly though, Brian, as I was walking up, like the range of emotions I had at first I was like, Oh man, what a drive. Yeah. it's so funny. And then I was like, Oh man, that was pretty close. And I was starting to get really worried that you were going to try to like square up with me when we got to the grid. And we're going to have to duel it out. If there is one thing
4: you don't need to worry about, it's me square. He's
2: not an insane fan standing there who wants you to tackle him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. By the way, and then and then and then that really is it. And by the way, the correct thing to do when somebody hits into you is just hit the ball directly back at them. Then they, then they lose their mind. Like what? Well, I thought that was what we were doing. The um, the uh, uh, hawk. Um, what is talking about, like, Brian and I understand, not the tango. Well, I do think I could lead a game, squ- a points uh, drive uh, against a bad defense in the NFL if I had the right pieces around me. Um, but uh, what is the largest animal that you think you could beat in a fight? The question goes to the both of you.
3: The lar- okay, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, the largest animal, Anything, does this count creatures of the water as well? Sure. Okay, well, I would have to say, see, I have too much respect for any primate, so I'm not taking on any kind of chimp or gorilla, anything like that. I've learned. I, I
2: initially said chimp, and now everybody has inundated me with evidence that that would not be a good choice, so I've gotten off Don't, that
3: don't do it, man. They go for their genitals. They'll go for your genitals, for your genitals first. They're going to rip them straight off and eat them in your face. <sighs>
2: wonder how they know um, that. That's just their instinct. They know to do that. Uh, eat them in your There's face. Their, the family rules. I don't know if they do that.
3: All right. That's what I tell myself. So I don't mess with. I would never mess with a primate. I mean, but I would say, I would honestly. I'm big into sharks. I want to take on a hammerhead. My little four-year-old son. We always talked about it. Like few vacations we've been on. If we see a shark, uh, he knows. I'm saying, hey, buddy, what do we do if we see a shark? He said, you. He said, you punch it. You grab him by the neck, and I poke him in the eyes. So I think I'm taking a shark.
2: Wow, that's bold. And like we've discussed, Cam Jordan of the Saints said. You know, to me, the greatest show of respect that I have for a shark is even like you reference McGregor Mayweather. Even if it were on my terms, which is to say, on land, like the shark fight starts, I don't have to go get him from the sea. I'm right. saying we're on land. I think he would still beat me because if I tried to get him, wouldn't he just flip over? Ah, like and bite me before I knew it. Yeah. Well, you got to flip. Don't sharks? Do they? Are they like alligators? If you flip them upside
3: down, do they go limp?
2: People have told me on Twitter that that is the case, that I, if I can so get him – well, how am I getting him on his back, though, without him biting me first?
3: What do you mean with those big Pittsburgh forearms? you've been
2: carrying kegs around your whole life. That's true. All right, listen, Brian, do you have a thought? Um, I mean, I,
4: I think just a grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good fight.
2: You have I, to go see uh, what's right? the uh, what was the picture with Leonardo DiCaprio last year?
4: Oh, oh, the the bear, the uh, the big bear. The yeah, grizzly. I don't.
2: After you see that, oh. I don't think you want to tangle with a bear. No, no, I got it. I got. You it. know, you know how you can handle them? I I, it. I got. You know well, what?
4: I I, I have. I, I will tell you this for sure. I have a better chance against a grizzly than a shark in water. For sure. There's no. There's no. Because I would drown, and I can swim, but I just think trying to wrestle a large. I mean, I'm assuming we're talking an eight to ten foot shark. Yeah.
2: I'm talking a baby. Yeah, I mean or a grown baby. Man, yeah, that, that
4: would just be ridiculous. Unlike this conversation, I but in water, I feel like that would just that, that wouldn't go.
2: Well, and well, again, it's like, you know, that's McGregor would have a chance if it was like no gloves and MMA rules, but now you're going into into the sea on his terms, you would have no chance. I agree with you on that. Yeah.
3: Well, I'm jumping in. I'm I'm jumping in in a, a small-ish aquarium with the shark that's the only way i'm doing it and i tell my kids i'm a man of the water i grew up on swim team i got a ton of blue ribbons and that's that's first place for people that don't know when i was a little kid
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, i think people we are up to speed back, on that
3: and i uh i uh i swam backstroke and fly because guess what little kids are scared to try backstroke and fly because it's too hard so guess what that's all i entered and i thought i would win usually because I had one or two other kids i could barely even float trying to do that well
4: you know the state of georgia has the greatest swimmers and I got some blue ribbons there too, my friend. But that doesn't—that doesn't mean I can tackle an eight to ten foot shark in the ocean. And now changing the rules to an aquarium—that's like saying, "Oh, well, I could beat this said grizzly while it was behind bars in the zoo." What well,
2: hawk just changed the rules. and made the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix from 1998 to suit him. I was, you know what? I've had it with Hawk. And yet, you know what? Just because he crossed me a couple of times here in the last 15 or so minutes doesn't mean that we don't love Hawk and that he's not one of our all-time favorites here on the DDFP. And as such, Hawk, I'm happy. You can't see it because you're on the phone, but Brian's here as your proxy. We are happy to announce that you have been inducted into the DDFP Digital Wall of Fame, your number 50 Will hang there for all of time or until the DDFP is canceled in shame. Either way. (laughs) That's
3: awesome. Thank you so much. I will make sure I tell all four kids about this, and they will be very proud of me.
2: And it's a big, and it's a bit, it's your bit, your favorite big orange Bengals jersey. No, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, Packers number 50. All
3: right. I'll take it. I'll take it, man. I, I I love it. I appreciate it. It's fun to have you guys both on the show. Damashek. Great work getting Brian in. It's always good to have someone to lean on uh, when you when you stumble through things and you can't figure it out. So I think Brian does a great <laughs> job with you. I, I, well,
2: I don't that. I don't stumble through and try to figure it out. What are we talking about? I know. I damn it, Shek, you, you know
3: <laughs> I love you, and you are the, the Walter Cronkite of podcasts.
2: <laughs> powerful, powerful endorsement. Uh. Hawk, the Hawk cast. Everybody go listen to it. Hawk at Tahoe. Don't ask him to tackle you. That's for your own sake. Unless he breaks your leg and then you're and then he's India for two million over the course of the next several years. Then maybe it is a, a savvy play. Either way, AJ Hawk, we can't wait to hear you calling college football with Petros on FS1 and uh, and all the best. Muzzletub on uh, the new edition, and we look forward by year's end to you adding a fifth, I assume, <laughs> and, and all that stuff.
3: Remember that. Thanks, guys. AJ. All Oh,
4: and he's one shot.
2: There, yeah, God. <laughs> AJ, it's a clutch performer. That's what I always say about myself, Hawk. Uh, uh, I'm clutch. What's What's the point? <laughs> Why did they invent? What? Whoever invented this sex business, why'd they do it? It was to make a baby. Well, guess who comes <laughs> through in the clutch? Damn, <laughs> a Apparently, Hawk.
4: Uh, AJ. I'll see you soon. Uh, the usual wager, I
3: assume. Yes, let's do it, and maybe maybe we'll even jump in the lake and we'll have a swim off, Brad.
2: Whoa! Let me get, get warmed up. All we'll right. Never know. I'm in. We're importing a shark for that one. All right, Hawk. <laughs> Best wishes to you. Thanks, guys. There he is, AJ Hawk. Brian, final thoughts on this episode, or should we leave them for the next discussion? Because we did some all or nothing. I really feel like we 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 showed the distinction between the L.A. Rams, Jeff Fisher of 2016, and some of Hawks' experiences. Do you feel this way? I do feel this way. Right. Yeah, I, uh,
4: I think uh, I think A.J. offers just such a unique perspective having, you know, as you say, being on a winning team mostly, but, but I, I feel like that 2008 um, – well, let's just say if the L.A. Rams can turn around like the 2008 Packers did – in the next year or two, uh, they 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 will um, they will not feel so bad having gone through this experience.
2: Except in January, when Jared Goff gets hit and he fumbles it in the air, and the opponent intercepts it and runs it. That's how that nine Packers season ended. Remember. Fifty-one forty-five. one of the craziest playoff games in history. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers gets hit and ba- – remember that? Was, I, I do. Who was that? Darnell Dockett? Who picked that one out of the air? It wasn't Darnell Dockett. I can't think. And the play before that, if you go back and look at it, Aaron Rodgers almost connects with a guy, was it Donald Driver? I think it was
4: Driver, yes. And
2: he would have been gone, and they would have won the game, In the next play he gets. Anyway, all right, listen, we'll have time to kibitz about this on the next episode with Brian Baumgartner. In the meantime, good luck out there. Go win the spray-off and the long-driving contest. I will not win
4: the long drive. I
2: will not win the long drive. Well, with that attitude, you won't. No, that's true. All or nothing, check it out on Amazon. Wonderful, wonderful episode. Season two there by NFL Films. That's all I should have to say. NFL Films did it. You know it's good. All right, more good stuff on the way. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,